there's a lot you can do in this town You set it up and turn it around We might have come from somewhere else But this is where we found ourselves Welcome to the local show People you work with, people you Welcome to another edition of The Local Show here on Grassroots Community Network. I'm Eric Scarvin, your host. Thanks for joining us, guys. Where each week we feature inspirational locals, and I'm so excited and honored to be joined by a first-time guest of the week, recently inducted in the Aspen Hall of Fame, Dr. Barry Mink. Welcome to the show, Barry. It's my pleasure. Thanks for Thank being here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Well, it's my honor. You were actually my doctor for, for many years. <laughs> well, I was until I retired. I'm until you until you retired, and we'll talk about your your long, uh, fabled medical uh, career, and you uh -oh, also have an uh -oh. athletic <laughs> you have an athletic career, and then you kind of combine the two, which is really interesting too. But I want to talk about where you were born and raised uh, from sure. Chicago originally. Yes, I was born and raised in Chicago. Okay, and uh, high school there, and then I went to Northwestern uh, College there. Yeah. In Evanston, there. Mm -hmm. And right. what was that like growing up in Chicago? It was fine. It was good. I was uh, didn't realize how good it was at the time, probably, but it was it was very good. Uh, my folks uh, uh, had a big family there, and and I was uh, always part of a big family, and always had cousins and sisters and so forth. Always uh, playmates around. Yeah. And your dad uh, sounds like he was very athletic, and uh, he was quite an influence on yes. you. My father, my father was a physical education teacher in Chicago, and he was an All-American soccer player, University of Illinois, wow. and he played professional basketball for the Rochester Royals. That's when incredible. He graduated uh, college. So he's versatile. He wasn't only an athlete; he was a versatile athlete. And yes. then he would share that through being. He, a he had very teacher. good coordination. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and he and, took up golf later in life, and and did pretty well at that too. No kidding. And what, was, what were the first kind of influences that you remember, like with your dad in particular, when you first started like playing sports? Sure. Uh, well, I can remember we had an apartment there in Chicago, and there was an alley, a back alley. And uh, when he got home from work, he would get me out in the back alley, and we would play catch, and he'd uh, pitch balls to me, and there were little tennis balls. But, okay. But he, he uh, emphasized that a lot in my childhood. Uh, athletics and uh, it was always funny. He took me to the Cubs games and the Bear games, and and we uh, we shared a lot of uh, athletic uh, fun together. Yeah, right. Okay. And then um, we'll talk. Of, uh, actually, let's talk about this before the break. Um, you would go on then after high school to actually be drafted by the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, I. Uh, That's incredible. I played uh, football and baseball in high school. Okay. And football was, I thought, my forte because I was uh, a quarterback and I was all conference and had a lot of colleges after me. Okay. And uh, when I was a junior and senior. Uh, but baseball was my father's suggestion because I wasn't very big. Okay. But I, but I, had, <laughs> I had a good throwing arm as a quarterback and, and had some good running skills. But baseball, he thought, was my forte. So in high school, uh, I was scouted by several major league teams and worked out at Wrigley Field one time. The Cubs had me out there. But I signed with Cincinnati. Uh, I was 18 years old. I just graduated high school. 
Were you a pitcher or what position? I was a catcher. A catcher, okay. So was your dad afraid you would just get slaughtered? Like, is it, like football? crushed as a quarterback? <laughs> oh, I'm sure he did. I, he's like, I, he's not quite big enough. I'm worried about him. <laughs> well, I don't think that was it. I don't think, I think he knew that I would not be as successful uh, in football because I was okay. a little small. But um, I was small. And uh, so he put me on the path towards baseball. And so you played, how long did you play for the Reds then? Uh, three years. I was in the, the, their farm system. Okay. But uh, we played, you know, almost 100 games a year. Uh, I played wow. with uh, Pete Rose, and I played for two years together on the same team. Tony Perez, who's in the Hall of Fame. Wow. Played, played with us, uh, played on my team, and, or our team. Um, and there were quite a few other major leaguers that made it. Incredible. Incredible. And how did that, <laughs> how did that come to an end? Like, why, why well, did that... it was kind of a funny accident. I was playing flag football. Uh-huh. For the fraternity at Northwestern. Uh-oh. And I was a quarterback there and uh-huh. uh I had a got hit and fell funny on my arm and uh oh. broken dislocated my sh- throwing shoulder. Oh man. So I it was a long recovery in those days there was no real sports medicine. It was all they strapped me up with like this for 6 weeks. <laughs> Old school. And, and when I got out I could hardly, you know, I couldn't throw very well. Uh-huh. Cincinnati kept me another year. They put me in the outfield. Because okay. they wouldn't have to constantly throw, but it uh, it didn't work out, and and I was released after three years. Okay, okay. Well, we're already five minutes in, Barry. We're going to take a quick break. I know I need sure. to rehydrate. Uh, very <laughs> important, as you know, as a doctor, Absolutely. to stay hydrated. We're going to have some heavy talking. Yeah, this is do. hard work. Isn't it? I know it's, it's going to be a grueling conversation once we get into the main body okay. of the Uh-oh. show. I'm okay. <laughs> But I do want to thank our winter underwriters who support the local show now in our 16th year of broadcasting here on Grassroots Community Network, Aspen Animal Hospital, Aspen Public House, The Aspen Times, Aspen Square, Klug Properties, Sundog Athletics, and Picking County Landfill. We'll go to a quick break, our only one of the show, guys. We'll be back with Dr. Mink. He not only played for the Cincinnati Reds, he became an endurance athlete and then an endurance doctor. So we've got so much to talk about, so don't go away. Aspen Animal Hospital's partnership with Wellhaven offers our community a very friendly and professional staff featuring five veterinarians a new care companion plan, wellness plans to cover your preventative care needs for the entire year, and now introducing new feline-friendly Thursdays. They also offer exotic pet care and acupuncture. For more information, call 970-925-2611 or visit aspenanimalhospital.com. I'm so passionate about this community. I absolutely love living here and raising my family here. It gives me a lot of pride to share this with my friends and my clients and help them achieve their their dreams of owning an Aspen Snowmass and enjoying this incredible lifestyle. Aspen Times, telling the stories that matter since 1881, is committed to local prep sports, arts, and entertainment coverage. They also offer the drop-in weekly recreational videos highlighting why we love to live in this community. The Aspen Times at local newsstands, aspentimes.com, Facebook, and Instagram. We're not in Kansas anymore. Hey, did you miss the turn for recycling? I can't read the map on your cracked screen. 
Celebrating another great winter season, Aspen Square Hotel is the hospitality place, featuring fireplace studio suites and larger condominiums with full hotel-style services in the center of downtown Aspen. Aspen Square is proud to support The Locals Show. Welcome to The Locals Show, people you work with. Thanks for sticking with us here on The Local Show, a show just for you locals. If you're not a local, please turn off the TV immediately. (laughs) Just kidding. We do want to welcome our Facebook Live audience, and now we're broadcast on YouTube. Barry, we're in high definition now here at Grassroots TV this last year, so it's enabled us to go on all these different platforms. So it's mm. great to share nice. through Facebook and YouTube. And wow. now you're going worldwide. So oh my God. I hope you're ready. I'm ready. Hope sure. you're not nervous. Shoot, I'm ready. <laughs> but I want to talk about um, your transition to endurance sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you, you know, as we talked about uh, in the intro to the show, played baseball, you played football at a pretty serious level, it sounds like. What was the transition like to go to like running and some of these in mountain endurance sports? Was that a function of basically moving to the mountains, or how did that play? Well, out? sure, partly it was that, but it was mainly I, you know, I was a physician, and physicians are pretty busy people. Yeah. Uh, so when I came to Aspen, uh, I really uh, came as part of part of the recreational uh, interest was alpine skiing. Okay. But when I got here, it wasn't time to go alpine skiing. It was, you know, running uh, some time at lunch, which running was the easiest thing to do. So I I like to be active and physical just because of my history. And so uh, lunch or before work or if I could squeeze one in after work, I'd go for a run. Okay. And that kind of led up to my interests and it became, uh, again, a, a self-interest of mine to see what this endurance physiology was all about. And because I started entering races and one race led to a marathon and the marathons led to ultra marathons. <laughs> and in the winter, uh, to keep my fitness, I developed, I, I became interested in cross country skiing and, and Nordic skiing. And so those things escalated into uh, much more progressive and advanced uh, endeavors, yeah. <laughs> Did you race the Birkebeiner? Yes. Up in northern Wisconsin, which yes. is, I think, the biggest uh, Nordic Well, that's, event if you're a cross-country skier, that's kind of the golden standard to right. try to run a, the Birkebeiner. It's one of the oldest uh, ski marathons there is. And it takes after the Norwegian Birkebeiner in Norway. Right. So, yeah, it was, it's, it's a big event in Wisconsin. Yeah. And you competed in the Mountain Man, which was a winter triathlon, correct? Yes. Uh, the Mountain Man triathlon was over in Avon. Okay. Uh, that's uh, cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, and speed skating. That was the three events. How do you pull off speed skating in particular? Like, I get the other ones, but, like, there's nowhere to really train speed skating. <laughs> I don't even think in the Roaring Fork Valley. In fact, the only rink used to be in Wisconsin at West Dallas for years. That's why Eric Hyden and Bonnie Blair, and they sure. all came out of Wisconsin. So how do you train, like, speed skating, or do you just kind of wing it? No, no, I, I never had a pair of ski, uh, speed skates. I had regular hockey skates. Okay. But, but uh, when we did this mountain man triathlon, our small group of guys, uh, it was John Dozier who actually won the thing, uh, Arch Schwartz. Uh, uh, Skip the, Hamilton, the, the, was Skip, he in there? Uh, Skip and the Willie, Willie, one of the Willie brothers was in there. But okay. anyways. Um, Raul probably. We, we, all, we all knew we could do well in cross country. The cross country was 17 miles Okay. And he had to skin up to the top of Beaver Creek. Amazing. Then he had to skate around their Nordic 
course. Then you came down, skied down, which was the hardest part on those little skis coming down Beaver <laughs> Creek. Right. And then they, they, you put on your snowshoes and went back up. Then you ran down into the Avon Lake area. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so the snowshoe was eight miles. And then the, the speed skate was uh, 13 miles on the oval in the lake. That's significant. Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought you were going to say it was going to be like two miles, like it was like no, the no, least, was, but that's significant. It was big. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, Speed skating we couldn't train for. You'd go to the Brown Palace and take two strides and you were at the end of it. Right, right. So you, cut, you did have to wing it. You're right. Uh, but your endurance was, was good. And, yeah. And uh, those big, long blades were a little easier to, to, to get some strides on. And, and you know, the right. speed skating was like Nordic skating. Nordic ski skating. Right. So it was the same type of muscle groups, yeah. Right, like skate skiing, and yes. there's some crossover to speed skating. Yeah, which there is. That makes sense. There is. There that is. makes sense. So you yeah. get a little bit of technique. So you and can get the glide and the weight shift correctly. Yeah. I actually pulled speed skates out for the first time in 40-something years when Maroon Lake froze. Really, I guess that would have been late fall. Okay. And everyone was going up there. There was, like, pickup hockey games going on. Uh, mm -hmm. One day an Aspen school bus went up. They had over 200 kids mm -hmm. on Maroon Lake, of course, before oh, yeah. the snow had settled sure. in the lake. And got around and just did a little where one of the dads had shoveled off. Because oh, nice. then it did snow. And the dads were shoveling off little mini rinks and mm. did a couple laps on the speed skates just oh, for old nice. time's yeah. sake. That they never even thought of that. Really fun. Yeah, that's nice. So uh, most people uh, know you as a longtime doctor in Aspen. Right. And how long were you a doctor, like, in uh, your total 40, career? I was here 40, 40 years. 40 years. And you'd also had quite an involvement with Aspen Valley Hospital. Sure. Um, I guess just kind of looking back, and there's so many things you could talk about there, but what were some of the things that you loved most about being a doctor for so many oh. years in Aspen? Well, you know, it's a small town, really, and... Uh, you get to know your patients pretty well, and the patients yeah. were your friends, you socialized with, or you trained with, or you competed with. Right. Um, uh, I had a really good partner with Dr. Harold Whitcomb. He was when I joined. I joined his practice when I came. Okay. And joined the Aspen Clinic with the orthopedics uh, group, uh, Dr. O'Dane and Dr. Kirk. Dr. Gould was also in that group. So uh, it was it was mainly the enjoyment of taking care of people you knew. Right. Uh, sure, we got a lot of tourists, but they were always interesting people and very stressed because they were on vacation, they got sick, and it was a big, big stress for them to be sick on vacation when they're coming to enjoy themselves or spending a lot of money, and then they had to be sidelined with an infection or with an ailment that uh, uh, made you really try to uh, become involved with and getting them better, yeah. And then they don't have their own doctor at the same time, so that's a little strange for exactly. them. So you have to kind of fill in for their doctor. Exactly. They're on their vacation, which is supposed to be the fun time of the year. So then they, they you know, have quite a bit of anxiety and stress. But, yes. but even developing those friendships must have been really rewarding and being oh, able to sure. help people like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was, you know, again, I said this before, but it's the people here that make yeah. this town. Sure, we live in the beautiful mountains. And yes, wonderful uh, environment, um, a lot of opportunities both at the school levels, great schools and the recreational levels, but it's the people, you know, like yeah. you're having on your shows, these people yes. that are so interesting and, yeah. and uh, what make living here so great. Yeah. What were some of the things that you don't miss, like say <laughs> that, you, that you didn't care for so much in your long medical career? Oh, well, there was... There's probably a few things. 
Well, a couple of things <laughs> would be <laughs> the call at three in the morning, right? Where you had to get out of bed because we didn't have emergency room docs. You had to come in and, oh. and take care of everything yourself. Be that guy, huh? So then you you know you take care of that, and it'd be about five o'clock, and you get back home and get back to bed, and you get a call right again. You go back in. So it was a repetitive oh my interruption of your sleep that uh, I was glad to uh, I would be glad to miss. But it was part of the job, <laughs> and, and it was. It, it made it tougher, especially the next day when you had a uh, an office full of patients that you had to, you know, see and take care of. No so kidding. it was it was those night calls that were the toughest. Yeah. And were these typically like? I mean, these weren't delivering babies. This was like well, accidents or a car wreck or something like that. Yeah, I was an internist. Of that nature. So okay. I, I would deal mostly not with so much trauma or delivering babies. Okay. It was mainly with like heart attacks or strokes oh, okay. or gastrointestinal bleeding diabetic uh, crises or comas, you know, those kind of things okay. that uh, got me out of bed. Yeah. And then you still have your regular patients who start lining up at 8 or whatever in the morning with a full day of right. seeing patients. Right, and... but don't forget, I was a young man then. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right. So energy wasn't a problem. You're right, like, no right. problem. Yeah. But then in the later years, that starts to be an endurance yeah, event. Yeah, it, it becomes tougher as you get older. That's for sure. You need your sleep. And But uh, I have no regrets. It was just... a Wonderful place. I'm a lucky guy to, to have yeah. chosen this place and wound up here. Yeah. Well, and then you would combine your, your love of athletics and your love of uh, medicine right. and be an Olympic doctor. Yes. Going to two Olympics. Was it 1980 and 1994? Correct. It's yeah. quite a big gap there, 14 years. Yeah, well, I was a, a physician with the Nordic team and with the biathlon team for okay. about 18 years. Okay. So I every year I'd, we'd have training camps and do physicals and keep the records up to date. And I had a medical kit that they that was well-equipped that they would call me from Bulgaria or something and say, hey, hey, Eric's got a sore throat. Uh, what are we doing? And they tell me the symptoms. We didn't have cameras or anything. And I would tell them what to take out of the medical kit when they were in inaccessible areas. But otherwise, I'd try to travel with the team um, uh, at least once or twice a year and, and go to the training camps and do the physicals and and keep them uh, as healthy as I could and or else I would wherever they were if I knew the doc or could get uh, through my own network knowing doctors where they were so that they could be seen right away so uh, and how is that different like say versus you know kind of a standard practice versus treating these athletes like how would you compare those two uh, it's a big difference they could have the same ailment let's say it's a really bad earache okay you know, an aspirin, you could go ahead and take care of it. You go home for a couple of days and rest and recover and, you know, be back in action. Right. But for them to miss a competition that they trained for for four years. Exactly. They get an earache before an Olympic competition or a sore throat, even though it's a mundane problem. It's not real complicated. But you have to really be on your game. Right. Both as bedside manner as well as the therapeutic approaches to get them their confidence level built up and, and for them to feel comfortable with the upcoming competition, right. that it was a pretty stressful time. And there were some times when there were some serious things, especially I remember one time in Russia, it was a serious cross-country skier that, that collapsed. And so it, it's um, a whole spectrum, but the difference, as you asked originally, <clears throat> was to the stress and pressure you're under to get right. an athlete back into the competition. Right. Where somebody here in Aspen, we could say, go, go home and rest for five or six days. You know? Right. And then that psychology, like you mentioned, is huge. 
Because like the normal person is just going to go, oh, just go chill at home for a few days. The athlete's like, can I pull this off? Yeah. Am I going to be healed? So that's a whole right. other it's, element of, of psyche. That they're you have they're to deal extremely with. tense, yeah. Really right. tense and, and concerned and worried that their whole career depends on this competition or they've spent all this time training Ugh. and it's blown away by getting a simple ear infection couple of days before the competition. No pressure, Dr. Mink. You know, <laughs> it's just everything's riding. My whole life's riding on this. So no biggie. So what would you suggest? <laughs> so the treatments might be a little different than I would imagine. You know, well, that kind of urgency. Uh, sometimes there was a little more urgent treatment where sometimes yeah. you, you weren't sure if they really needed an antibiotic, but you erred on right. the side of using it. Right, You right. couldn't be, you know, esoteric and scientific to the point where it would jeopardize their their performance yeah right and you had to be careful you didn't give them any medications that were banned or there's a whole the other thing. a whole spectrum of that that you couldn't always use what you needed to use to right. that would be considered first first line of treatment here in aspen compared to an olympic or world cup competition yeah yeah i know just from being a cyclist and a competitive cyclist that you know certain things like maybe sinus medication or whatever right. asthma medication you may not be able to prescribe because it's a banned substance, you Correct. know, under the rules. Correct. What about the Olympic experience? I mean, the Olympics are so incredible. Yeah. Do you have anything that sticks out in your mind? I mean, you went to 1980. 1980 was that, was that was in uh, Lake Placid. Lake Placid. So that was stateside. Okay. I was a chief medical officer for the biathlon venue and the biathlon team. And then in 94, it was in Lillehammer, Norway. Oh, let's talk about Norway. Yeah, that's a great play. I, I was the team physician there, the internist on the team. There were... Th an orthopedist, a pediatrician, uh, and then we had some physical therapists and massage therapists. Uh, but that was amazing because we stayed in the Olympic Village amazing. with all the other teams, international teams in Norway, and and the people of Norway were just fantastic in the Nordic events because that was their their expertise. Their, that was baby. what they were f famous for. Yeah. So uh, we were treated royally in that and. And after the competitions were over, I got a chance to ski on the trails. After, you know, you'd be skiing around, and there'd be oh a bunch of Norwegians cooking their sausages right off the trail, <laughs> drinking beer, and Almost yelling, like screaming at you, "Hey, hey, American!" And you know, offer you a, a beer or something. It was, it was, it was just great. So was great that place. that had to be one of the highlights, and just the hospitality of Absolutely. the Norwegian people, because yes. you kind of hear about that. Oh, I mean, just, that's my background. They cheer for everybody, you know, even though they want to see their countrymen win but they sportsmanship they're the best and and the most welcoming and it's really a, a environment much like ours a mountain type environment with the outdoor activities right. were were priorities and so it was it was just a great experience it's just so ingrained in their culture especially the nordic skiing of course you know yeah. originating from norway and and um, and then you just hear about like from Simi Hamilton and and Noah Hoffman, you know, our great skiers. Mm -hmm. Now sure. Noah's retired, but Simi's still out there, and they talk about that. And then they do talk about some special beverages too. I think they have Euler, Aquavit, and uh, did you enjoy any of those special <laughs> Norwegian beverages when you were over there? I mean, yeah. you have to be a responsible <laughs> doctor, but yeah. you know, no, maybe yes. in your free no, time. Uh, sure, we, we we socialized a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Security was pretty high. But yeah. uh, we, we were able to get out and socialize, sure. Yeah. Um, it was, <laughs> it was, it was uh, something that, you know, once-in-a-lifetime experience. But when you're in sports medicine or involved with this team for so many years, see these kids grow up. Like uh, in Lake Placid, it was Craig 
Craig Ward, who was the captain of the Nordic team. That's right. That's where I first met him, and even though he lived here in Aspen. And then it was Johnny Callahan, and, uh, you know, the Callahans, and our kids grew up together. And, and then, of course, Simi and Noah and so forth. Yeah, and now Haley Swerble. I, I read about her, yeah. U, U23 World Championships last so weekend. And I wonder, we're already down to a minute, Barry, but I wanted sure. to touch on your Aspen Hall of Fame induction because that's a big deal here. I mean, it is the Aspen Hall of Fame. And what does it mean to you? You know, oh, you were God. recently awarded, and what does that mean to you? Well, it's very, I'm very, very honored, uh, especially to be in, inducted with some of these names and iconic figures of Aspen. If you go yeah. look through the, the list of people that were, you feel like, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. <laughs> but uh, You're yeah. worthy, you're worthy. <laughs> well, I was very honored that night at the Jerome. Uh, was was just so much fun. My kids were all there and some of my family and seeing all those people. There were so many memories, people you've yeah. known for the 40 years you've been here. Uh. It, was, it was just, uh, I was just humbled and honored to, uh, beyond beyond belief we're, we're already out of time i mean that must have been so heartwarming it must have been overwhelming a no, little it was bit definitely overwhelming did you have fun on the show today yes i might overwhelm you again with my organic cookies that i baked you oh, they're right wow. sitting right there on the top with a few other goodies but i want to thank you for your time i hope you enjoyed your oh, time thank you very much show. for having me appreciate it this is for I'll you wow that's for you and those cookies are Gosh. pretty good for powering athletics i found we break them out during our snowshoe tours. Okay. No, I'll, uh, I'll give them a good uh, taste. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me know. Give me some quality control feedback. I'll email you. Sure. Thank you, Dr. Barry Mink. <laughs> thank really you, Really appreciate your time. Thank you. And thank you guys for joining us this week on The Local Show. Aspen Public House is a modern gastropub located in the historic Wheeler Opera House building in the heart of downtown Aspen, serving breakfast, lunch, opera ski, dinner and late night, seven days a week, 8 a.m. to late. Aspen Animal Hospital's partnership with Wellhaven offers our community a very friendly and professional staff featuring five veterinarians, a new care companion plan, wellness plans to cover your preventative care needs for the entire year, and now introducing new feline-friendly Thursdays. They also offer exotic pet care and acupuncture. For more information, call 970-925-2611 or visit aspenanimalhospital.com. I'm so passionate about this community. I absolutely love living here and raising my family here. It gives me a lot of pride to share this with my friends and my clients and help them achieve their, their dreams of owning an Aspen Snowmass and enjoying this incredible lifestyle. Aspen Times, telling the stories that matter since 1881, is committed to local prep sports, arts, and entertainment coverage. They also offer the drop-in weekly recreational videos highlighting why we love to live in this community. The Aspen Times at local newsstands, aspentimes.com, Facebook, and Instagram. not in Kansas anymore. Hey, did you miss the turn for recycling? I can't read the map on your cracked screen. Sundog Athletics is your opportunity to experience one-of-a-kind guided adventures and gain new skills to experience the thrills of snowshoeing, fat biking, canoeing, mountain and road biking. They can be reached at 970-925-1069. Fresh updates at Sundog Athletics on Facebook or sundogathletics.com. Welcome to 